teach the Gita to Arjuna, who's the hero? Why not to the villain? It, it would have saved a lot of bloodshed and a lot of problems, uh, you know, the huge amount of suffering. If the, if the wicked could be reformed, why teach spirituality to people who are already good? Well, Krishna tried. God does try. It's the problem is the wicked are not willing. <laughs> so he went to Duryodhana and said, look, what you are doing is not right. This is not dharma. This is not ethical. You should uh, give your cousins what they deserve, they, they, their portion of the kingdom, and even a little bit. Um, and Duryodhana refused. And he said something very perceptive. Duryodhana said that uh, I know what is right and I know what is wrong. And you don't have to teach me that. That is not my problem. It's not that I don't know. Uh, I'm making mistakes out of ignorance. I know what I'm doing is wrong. But I can't stop myself from doing it. I know what, I, what, what one should do, what is ethical. But I don't feel like doing it. So <laughs> he is pretty blunt and um, forward with it. Janami dharmam nachame pravritti. Janami adharmam nachame nivritti. Ridhi sthitena kena pidevena yatha niyojito asmi tatha karomyaham. So I know what is right, what is dharma. I have no desire to do it. I know what is wrong and unethical. I can't stop myself from doing it. And why not? Well, because there is this force within me. In my heart, there is this power which impels me on this path. And uh, as I'm impelled, as I'm pushed along this path, I do what I'm forced to do. I, I mean, I'm sort of, he gives up. He says, it's, it's, he, at no point does he say that, look, I'm in this trap. Can you help me out? Can you make me a better person? He has no question to ask Krishna. He has no, um, you know, he's not willing. Uh, he is, he feels I'm, this is the way it is and that's it. And it's interesting in the Bhagavad Gita, we will see later, um, Arjuna asks the same question. Arjuna asks the same question. Atakena prayuktoyam papam charati purusha anichanna pivashneya baladiva niyojita. O Krishna, impelled by what? Does a person do wrong things knowingly? Knowingly. Exactly what Duryodhana said. Does a person do wrong things knowingly? As if forced, as if, as if pushed by some, impelled by some force. Almost the same language as Duryodhana. But there's a difference. Arjuna wants to know, how can I overcome this? Please help me. I'm your student. Tell me what I can do to, to, to come out of this. Is there a way out of it? I want to be better. I want to be ethical and moral. I want to be a good person. I want to be a spiritual person. I want to be noble. Now this willingness. So this is what Krishna is talking about here. This is the first, the first step, the most crucial step towards spirituality. Um, Upanishads, the mantra from the Brihadarnik Upanishad, which we are discussing these days on Sundays, Atmanam jed vijaniyat ayam asmiti purushaha kimichan kasya kamaya shariram anusanjurit. If I were to know, if one were to know, this is what I am, this infinite existence consciousness, if we were to realize that, then desiring what and for whose sake would one continue to suffer along with the body? A lot is packed into that verse and we are unpacking it on, on successive Sundays. But I, today I just want to draw your attention to one word, the very first word, if. 
if one were to realize that if comes in a number of times in the Upanishads, in the Kena Upanishad, in the Kena Upanishad, it says, in this very life, if you realize your true nature, that you are the, the self, Brahman, then you are established in immortality. If one does not realize this, great is the loss. Mahati Vinashti, great is the loss, the great is the destruction. You have lost a tremendous opportunity. The most valuable thing has been lost in life. So that again, that if, that if entirely depends on our, our choice. I mean, at least we must make the effort. Um, Ashtavakra, the highest non-dual teachings. He says, Yadi deham pitakritya chiti vishram yatishtasi adhuneva sukhi shanto bandha mukto bhavishyasi. If, again that if, um, if you can see that you are not the body, and rest and relax into consciousness itself. Chiti Vishramya means realize that you are pure consciousness. Adunaiva, right now, right now, in this very condition, right now, right here, um, Adunaiva, you know, that he says, you will be free, Sukhi Shanto, you'll be free of all suffering, you will attain fulfillment, and you'll be free of bondage. Bandha Mukto Bhavishyasi. But again, if, so that if is, is, is crucial to, um, to beginning spiritual life. Otherwise, it doesn't begin. Nobody can do it for us. We must be willing. The Buddha, okay, so it's, it's Buddha Jayanti now. So the Buddha, the noble eightfold path, do you um, remember that the first one is Samyak Drishti, the, um, the right view. But the second one is Samyak Sankalpa, right intention or right resolve. So the right view is, in a Buddhist perspective, that you understand the four noble truths, that there is suffering and all of life is pervaded by suffering. And there is a cause of suffering, which is desire. And there is a solution to suffering, which is Nirvana. And there is a way to do it. It's a system, a method, something to be done which will take you to nirvana. So that's the right view. But the Buddha says, after getting the right view, one must then make up. It's, then, then it's your choice. You've got the right view. You've heard me out. Now make up your mind that I, I have heard this. I'm convinced. And there is nirvana before me, enlightenment and freedom. And I choose to follow this path and search for enlightenment. This resolve has to be made. Until this resolve is made, the other parts of the path, the eightfold path, the other six paths will not start. So this, this resolve has to be made. Um, and it's my belief that the stress upon conversion in, um, for example, Christianity and Islam is basically this idea that one must make a choice for spiritual life. It's not so, it, what it became later on was converting people from other religions to your own religion. But if you look at it, everything in, in these religions has, is based on some kind of wisdom. So the original wisdom must have been to, to convert a person from uh, worldly life into spiritual life. To awaken a person to the possibility of spiritual life, to the possibility of overcoming suffering. It's the same if. And here we are um, asked to make a 
decision. I had written down certain things. About, yes. So, and somebody also mentioned it here. Does the Praveer Babu, does the choice come from our samskaras? Notice something, it's very interesting that immediately when we talk about this, the first question that comes to our mind is, at least in the Vedanta group here, will be the free will question. So does it come from my samskaras? Am I programmed to make the choice? So if I don't make the choice, so those who don't make the choice, are they doomed? Um, one thing is clear from this verse, that whether it is Krishna, uh, Krishna clearly says for all practical purposes, he accepts free will. For all practical purposes. And every religion which says, do this and do not do that. And every religion does that. Yeah. Do this and do not do that. They all assume free will. Without that, for practical purposes, there's no question of making any progress in spiritual life. There's a, civilization itself is not possible. You see, uh, law and uh, consumer choice and <laughs> our whole economy, uh, none of it is possible without some kind of free will. So practically speaking, everybody assumes free will. I know of senior monks who would scold the younger monks who would you know, read books and try to imitate the senior monk by saying, it's the will of Sri Ramakrishna. And a senior monk, I remember, he would snap at us and don't say things which you don't mean. You don't understand it and you don't mean it. Say that you are doing it or you are not doing it. It's, it's, right now, it's, one has to be up and doing. So ultimately, yes, it's a very deep metaphysical question whether uh, there is any free will or not. And I have told you on occasion about the Vedantic perspective that ultimately there is not. Three levels of it, you know, um, that uh, from the practical level, it appears to us, yes, there is. It seems to be absolutely obvious. It has to be so. Then the second level, if you inquire into it, philosophically inquire into it, theologically inquire into it, and nowadays neuroscientifically, scientifically inquire into it, not just neuroscientifically, even in principles of science and causality, inquire into it, it seems free will is not possible. In a deterministic universe, in a neuroscientifically determined um, you know, human consciousness, um, or theologically, every theistic religion says ultimately it's God's will, not your will. So it seems upon investigation at the second level, there is no free will. So there are theories which say there's no free will. There are theories which say there, are, there is free will. There are theories which try to, try to combine the two. You know, there are deterministic theories, there are libertarian theories, there are compatibilist theories. Um, one beautiful article in this I've shared with many people earlier, um, Professor uh, um, uh, Arindam Chakravarti's article on free will. You know, he puts it very, um, uh, very elegantly. He says, why pray to a God who can hear the anklets on an ant's feet? So he's quoting Sri Ramakrishna here. Sri Ramakrishna says, God hears everything. He can hear the sound of anklets on the feet of an ant. You know, in India, little children, they, they put anklets with tinkle. You do something like that here in the United States. I've seen kids, they have these squeaky uh, shoes. When they walk, it encourages them to walk. I think it makes squeaky sounds and flashes lights and all. So anklets. Now imagine anklets on the feet of an ant. Uh, how tiny they would be, the tiny feet of an ant. And so Sri Ramakrishna says, God can hear the sound of the anklets on the ant's feet. Now this philosopher, he asks, why pray to a God who can hear the sound of the anklets on an ant's feet? 
So that's how he asks. And the whole article is uh, about free will, about what is free will, is there free will, what is the use of free will. So he says on the second level, it seems upon investigation on the whole, there is no free will. And then he goes to the final level, the third level. From an Advaitic or Vedantic perspective, there is no free will, but there is freedom. Ultimately, there's freedom. As pure consciousness, as, as Satchidananda, you are free. You always were free at the deepest metaphysical level. And then the, what I like about that article is he brings it all together. What's the upshot? What's the final conclusion? The final conclusion is very, very, um, you know, it's often academicians are not bold enough to make such statements, but he makes a very beautiful, uh, boldly he says this. He says, ultimately, this first stage, it appears to be that there is free will. Second stage, it appears that no, there is no free will. And the third stage, it appears again that there is freedom, if not free will. Then what do you do? Take this appearance of free will to acknowledge that ultimately there is no free will. It is all God's will. So use this appearance of free will, the best use of free will, or this so-called illusion of free will, whatever you call it, the best use of it is to acknowledge God, to continuously surrender to God. That much choice you have got. <laughs> so uh, I like that conclusion. I think Sri Ramakrishna would approve. And that answers his question. Why pray to a God who can hear uh, the anklets, the sound of anklets on an ant's feet? Because that's the best use of your free will. That's why you have got free will, to pray to, pray to God. Um, so is this choice determined by our samskaras? We will see. Partly yes, partly no. Uh, it, it does not depend entirely on our samskaras. Um, the second point I wanted to mention, so I've written down some points because there's so many things to say about this verse. The second thing I wanted to mention was um, Uddharet, the Sanskrit Uddharet. You can understand it in two senses, you know, dri and ri, ut, ri, in the ut plus ri or ut plus dri. The, the difference in the meanings would be, one is, ri means to snatch away, to take away. So when you have fallen in bad company, when you have fallen in the trap of the senses and of, of uh, desires and the world, how can you snatch yourself away? You have to snatch yourself away from that. Like Duryodhana was not willing to do that. He was just, he just wanted to live in that, mis in that depraved life. And Arjuna wanted to rescue himself from that. To rescue yourself from that, to snatch yourself away from the, the snare of the senses and of worldliness, that is one meaning of Uddharit. The second meaning is Uddhri means to raise yourself up. So from meanness to something noble, to something higher. Uh, you know, there is a saying that um, uh, inferior people discuss other people. People of, uh, uh, of average quality, you know, they discuss events. And superior people discuss ideas. So gossiping about other people, that's, that's inferior. And if you neutrally discuss the pros and cons of some, some actual event, all right, that's better. But to discuss, to think about and discuss the subtle underlying concepts, you know, in whatever subject you're discussing, that's a superior thing to do. 
so that is raising yourself higher. I remember that one of the mantras we we chanted in our the ceremony to become monks. So one of the things we said was Brihad Vadema. Henceforth, let us talk only about the noble, the vast, and the great. What a beautiful idea. Let us no longer think or talk about, dwell upon mean things, worldliness, little things, miserable things. Let's only talk about the great. Let's only talk about noble things and high things. Brihadvadeva literally means talk about the vast. Um, so, um, this, this lifting yourself, lift yourself from the realm of the senses to the realm of the heart and uh, to the realm of the mind and the realm of the intellect and finally to the realm of the spirit. So from lower to higher, this is lifting yourself higher. Snatch yourself away from the, from the bad company of uh, anger and um, passion and greed. Then he says, Atmana. Atmana, lift yourself up by yourself. So what self are they talking about? Uddharet Atmana Atmanam. So lift yourself up by yourself. What is that by yourself? What self? It can't be the pure consciousness. So here all of it is meant by, it is meant body and senses and mind and intellect and ultimately the Atman also. What does it mean? The word Atma in the Upanishads, uh, is used or in the Vedas also is used for all of them. Atma just means self. So, for example, we have studied the method of the five sheets of the human personality, the physical and the vital and the mental and the intellectual and the causal or the bliss sheet, the annamaya, pranamaya, manomaya, vijnanamaya, anandamaya. These are the levels of our personality. And the way we study it in Vedanta is to call them sheets. Kosha, the idea being the real self, um, existence, consciousness, place, is sort of you know, like a nesting doll. The Russian nesting dolls are there. The smaller, you open the doll, there's a smaller doll inside. Open that, there's another little doll inside. So somehow the idea is given to our minds that we are some kind of you know, consciousness, existence, consciousness, place, and hidden by five levels of five sheets. It's a later development. If you go to the source, to the Upanishad itself, Taittiri Upanishad, where this is talked about in the Brahmananda Valli, second chapter of the Taittiri Upanishad, it does not say sheets. The word kosha no, no, comes nowhere. The Upanishad says, Annamaya Atma, the self made of food. Pranamaya Atma, the self made of vitality. Manomaya Atma, the mental self, the intellectual self. At every level, they're talking about a self. Ajiva, Purusha, uh, physical, vital, mental, intellectual. So at every level, you use that to lift yourself up. The body. Um, the Lord has given us his fingers. So why not use it for Japa? Count, keep count of the Japa. Has given us the tongue to take the name of the Lord. And has uh, um, given us you know, breath, you can do pranayama with it. <laughs> you, can, you can or keep track of your mantra with the ingoing, ingoing and outgoing of the breath. 
has given us a mind to think about God, a heart to love God, an intellect to do which are inquiry into who am I. Engage all of these at different levels. So Atmana means by oneself, which self? Yes, physical self. You must be bold enough to say even that the physical level also it's a self. We feel right now, a physical body, I am this. Very good. Upanishad says there's nothing wrong in that. You, uh, uh, you can, you can, uh, um, what will you use the body for? What will you use the prana, the physiological energies flowing through us? What will you use the thoughts? So many thoughts are continuously happening uh, throughout the day. Now, I, I want to address what Prabir Babu brought up, the samskaras. See, what is the role of our previous conditioning? It is this. The idea is that if we do not make an effort, what will happen? Do not make an effort, what will happen? If we do not make an effort, whatever is packed in our samskaras and whatever is evoked at that moment, that will pop up. There's something called a default setting, like in a computer, in old computers, they used to boot. And whatever was in the default setting, it would come up like that, unless you interrupted it. So the way we have been set, what has been packed in us over lifetimes, that's coming out by default. And you make an inter you interrupt it at the physical level, at the mental level, at the emotional level, and introduce something positive. You take a decision. You have the power of deciding what will I do, what will I say, what will I think. Kai manavakke. What will I do at the physical level? What will I say at the verbal level? What will I think at the mental level? And we have this choice. This is the window of free will. You may call it uh, ultimately from a metaphysical level an illusion, but for practically for us, it's there. It's a tiny vanishing window. The idea is that these samskaras, our conditionings, they bubble up. See, I have a desire suddenly. But suddenly means what? Where did it come from? If you, it's just because we are not aware, we are not cautious. It suddenly come up and taken over my mind. Now I must have that cookie. Um, so where did that come up from? It came up from uh, in the conditioning. And it's been developing over a few seconds, at least it's bubbled up from the depths of my unconscious. I did not notice it. At that time, it was weak. And you could have, without it, it has not yet summoned up our psychic energies and forced you to fulfill those desires. So it was bubbling up. At that point, you could have replaced it with a positive thing. No, I will not do that. I will do this. No, I will not say that. I will say this. I will not think that thought. I will think these thoughts. I could have replaced it. I could have replaced um, the mantra and any negative thing with the mantra. I'll repeat the mantra in my mind. But if I miss that little opportunity, that little window, and it's a small window. And there have been very interesting neuroscientific uh, studies. I remember uh, a scientist from India's leading neuroscience institute, Nimhans. So he was giving an, uh, a presentation about the effects of meditation on decision-making. So he says that we tend to normally react in a knee-jerk fashion, in, in an instinctive fashion to whatever we have been programmed with, whatever the impulse is coming from outside, we react immediately to it. 
what meditation does is it slows down that reaction so that there's a chance for some some conscious thinking and consciously deliberately doing something which is a beautiful thing i mean he actually showed data that uh, long term meditators you can see the the um, difference in in the neuronal firings that certain uh, the prefrontal cortex that is more active or something like that he was showing but the the upshot was that there is a window of opportunity and if we are alert especially meditators he'll teach meditation the sixth chapter now if you are alert enough you can catch that window of opportunity and substitute the negative reactions coming out um you say why does it have to be negative we have all kinds of samskaras yes but mostly what kind of samskaras do we have what we have gathered over many lifetime lifetimes is a very beautiful term used by shridhar swami prachina karma samskara prachina means very ancient very ancient means many many lifetimes and if we are what kind of samskaras we have it very good we are seeing is is what kind of <laughs> what is the situation we are in right now if the situation is not very bright then we understand what kind of samskaras we have gathered over many lifetimes if it was very saintly we would be enlightened people <laughs> we would be um, jeevan muktas or something like that but if i am not then it means my samskaras are at best a mixed bundle um one swami put it this way you have to make an effort hair grows by itself then you have to you have to cut it and clean it and comb it that much effort you have to do to take care of it growing by itself is automatic i remember this uh, nice story about the french revolution so at that time they were very much against the catholic church and uh, the revolutionaries were overthrowing all kinds of religion so um there was this man who was a priest in a small church and he had a friend who was a revolutionary so the friend was visiting with his friend the priest and he saw the priest was teaching his little son the bible and the revolutionary was completely against it he told this his friend why are you um, brainwashing him you should not uh, you should let him grow freely and the priest said what should i do let him grow freely um, and then when he grows up he will choose for himself whether he should uh, um have a religion or have no religion the priest did not say anything it so happened that the priest also had a beautiful uh, garden of a beautiful flower garden small garden so the revolutionary one day once again came to see his friend the priest a um, few weeks later and then he saw the garden was devastated there was no garden it's just overrun with weeds and he went to his friend my god what happened to your beautiful cultivated garden he said no i took your advice i just let it grow freely <laughs> it grows freely what will grow the weeds will grow they'll choke out everything else so for a long time um it's not that this is endlessly so there will come a time uh, there will come a time when the mind will be sufficiently pure when we have good samskaras automatically our samskaras will come out uh, positive samskaras will come out godly samskaras will come out then you don't have to make the effort of replacing it and struggling all the time with it um sri ramakrishna says have you not seen the boatmen in the ganga when they launch their boats into the river how mightily they row you know they use a long bamboo pole even now there are little boats are there so they will push against the river bottom and against the bank to push their uh, 
um, little boat out into the into the river and they row hard and they sweat it's a hard struggle but once they are in midstream in the current and sri ramakrishna gives a very, he must have seen this uh, all the time on the bank of the ganga and he says so have you not seen how they sit on the boat they just hold the rudder and they smoke the hubble bubble with the, with the other hand so they are relaxed and the boat uh, sails along merrily because they are in the, they are caught by the current of the river they are in midstream now similarly at the beginning of spiritual life one has to struggle without much result uh, one has to struggle and against one's contrary tendencies once a little bit of purity has come um, then it becomes much easier that is what sri krishna says here aruruksho muner yogam karma karana muchyate those who are climbing the ladder of yoga for them action is the way that means all sorts of spiritual practices and those who have achieved purity of mind yoga rudasya tasyeva shamah karana muchyate those who have achieved purity of mind the result of karma yoga um, they, for them meditation is the way so meditation is a is a later practice already some amount of purity of mind has been achieved um there's a beautiful zen story about a meditator who was told by his master to meditate and he was very troubled by um bad thoughts so he was restless so he told his master you know master said do this you know in japanese gardens they have these smooth pebbles so he said uh, have two bowls in front of you and uh, every time uh, um, you know like a negative thought a bad thought comes in your mind put a um, um oh one bowl put a black pebble in the bowl and a positive thought something related to your spirituality comes to your mind then put a white pebble in there and like this watch your mind so he sat in the first few days the bowl was mostly black with a few white pebbles in between but over the months the number of black pebbles diminished and the number of white pebbles increased in the yoga sutras um the patanjali yoga sutras there is a commentary by vyasa uh, on on the patanjali yoga sutras i think the first sutra there is this um, explanation evam uh, vritti samskara chakram avartamanam aharnisham avartamanam this cycle of vrittis and samskaras is revolving day and night what does that mean samskaras means our conditionings whatever we are the, the sum total of which determines our personality remember there is a difference between personality and the real self the real self for all of us is satchidananda we are all pure consciousness but the individual personality which is the mind which is our person personhood the little person that's also important because that's the uh, lens through which we are interacting with the world so that personality is composed of samskaras conditionings has has a lot of conditioning from past life that's why we are all different now he says these conditionings these samskaras they bubble up once in a while thoughts images and especially desires likes and dislikes especially they are they come up when they come up in the mind they are called vritti a ripple on the surface of the mind and these vrittis they manifest as raga dvesha likes and dislikes 
sometimes because of something we experience from the world or even when we are not experiencing anything in the world sitting quietly it will come from inside us so these are our samskaras and it's good it's interesting exercise to watch not particularly very interesting at the end of it it's after some time it is it's boring it's repetition of the same pattern so we realize that we are not very exalted beings after all just a bundle of uh, uh, of the same kind i think most people have some combination of the same kind of samskaras i was reading um, swami brahmananda he asked sri ramakrishna how do you see who is sattvic and who is tamasic and rajasic and sri ramakrishna said just like you can see your face in the mirror i can see the contents of a person's mind when i look at them and swami brahmananda said would you teach me that and sri ramakrishna as you as usually said if it's the mother's will it will happen in a few days time it happened to him and he could see and very soon he saw the danger of it he said that i'm just seeing the garbage in people's minds i'm just looking at them and seeing through them into the garbage in their minds and that and that's how it's entering into me and then he went to sri ramakrishna and said take this back i don't want it now that's our bundle of samskaras and it is coming up as vrittis and whatever vrittis we entertain on the surface of our mind consciously especially repeatedly that goes back and strengthens certain samskaras now what we are being told is as the samskaras are coming up bubbling up as vrittis before they become too strong before it comes to the stage where duryodhana says i can't do anything it's too late i'm just forced by to do something by the forces within me before it becomes like that you replace the vrittis with um, positive vrittis you say no i will not think in this way i will not say such harsh words i will not do this wrong thing and when we make this decision and successfully make a change and entertain a positive vritti on a, on the surface of our minds and at our conscious level that entertained vritti will go back into the subconscious and thereby slowly the black pebbles will become little more it will be replaced it will start the composition will start changing that is called purification of the mind it's a slow process as atman you are perfect the changing of the mind it's a slow hard and unglamorous process um so this is called rescue yourself by yourself now natmanam avasadayet yes avasadana avasadana is in fact this word for depression so do not lower yourself this is the negative side of it positive side was raise yourself up by yourself rescue yourself by yourself and you have to do it nobody else can do it there must be a self effort to do it um and ha- do not lower yourself i remember my own uh, little uh, 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 little experience in the monastery once so i was supposed to be sent to the united states uh, my what duties were changed earlier i was teaching the uh, novices the new monks so the new batch of monks was coming in and the swami in charge of our training center said to me i wonder if you will teach this session i don't know whether to put you in the in the schedule or not you know the, the timetable the routine for the classes um and i don't dare ask the general secretary you know, he 
might think it's too small a matter. I said, all right, all right, I'll go and ask. So I went to the general secretary Swami at that time. And I asked, so this is a, it's a very funny little anecdote. The language I used was, um, will I, uh, or, or, should, or should I teach this time, this session? Should I teach? And his answer was, should you eat? <laughs> In Bengali, I said, Ami ki? Then his answer was to me was, Tui khabi ki? You see, the point is, you never ask whether I'm going to eat or not. Why are you asking whether I'm going to work or not? Of course you're going to work. As long as you're in an ashram and in the, in the, in the uh, ashram of Sri Ramakrishna, you're going to work for Sri Ramakrishna. So, that was, I mean, this is the explanation. But his answer was just two little words. Uh, I said, do I teach? Um, or will I teach? And his answer was, will you eat? If you, say, if you say, if you're going to eat, you're going to work. Now, our tendency is when we have something positive to do, we have to make an effort to do it. Things like eating and sleeping and pleasure seeking, that we never question. It comes automatically to us. But spiritual practices do not come automatically to us. You have to do it consciously. Like that rose garden being overcome by the weeds. I let it grow naturally. So if I live naturally, what will happen is all the programming within me, that will bubble up and I'll never get anywhere. I'll never get anywhere. This dependence, see, sometimes the mind says, oh, it's all God's will. If I will pray, if I will meditate, it depends on the will of the Lord. We never say that. And that was the Swami's uh, what fault he pointed out to me. You know, you never say that about uh, eating. It's God's will, whether the food will come or not. Uh, no, you happily turn up when the um, dining hall bell is rung. You are, you are there with your bowl and says, sitting there waiting for the goodies to come. Uh, whereas when it comes to meditation and study and work and uh, service, why do you ask? Should I do it? So this is, um, yeah. Na atmanam avasadet. Do not lower yourself. So unconsciously we lower ourselves. One Swami put it very beautifully. How do we lower ourselves? At the deepest level, from an Advaitic perspective, we lower ourselves from the perspective of Sat, Chit and Ananda. From the perspective of Sat, pure being, your infinite existence. The moment you throw yourself into a fractured reality, I am this much and not the rest. You have lowered yourself. This is called avasadhana. This is the deepest interpretation of avasadhana. Instead of seeing, saying that I am unlimited existence, I am only the existence of this body. This body. Um, only this person and not anything else. Swami Virajanandaji, who was the president of our order, he says that the entire universe, when I experience the universe, the entire universe along with this body and this mind is presented to me together. Either I am all of it or none of it. Both will set you free. I am none of it. Jagat Mithya. I am the witness consciousness in which this movie is playing. Or I am all of it. Brahman alone is this entire universe. Atme Vedam Sarvam. The Atman alone is everything here. Ishavasyam idam sarvam. See the Lord uh, spread around, you know, cover everything with the Lord. Yes, both ways it will work. But what do we do? 
we make a boundary inside this skin i am everything outside this skin other i am this this one this body only little thing this is avasadhana depressing oneself lowering oneself of course at a, at a very metaphysical level this is being said lowering oneself to the level of the body a tiny fraction of existence i am instead of all existence then from the perspective of chit consciousness i have thrown all my understanding into objects i have completely missed out that i am the so what is consciousness is hidden from me and the jada the the insentient world becomes my entire object of attention that is um, that is lowering yourself from the perspective of your infinite consciousness and dukkha most interestingly suffering unhappiness you are not allowed to be unhappy every time you are unhappy for whatever reason uh, swami said i don't care for whatever reason you are unhappy you are committing an offense against your true nature your nature as ananda you are committing an offense against it by saying i am unhappy you have, you have some some deadly mistake fatal error has been committed which is why you think you think you are unhappy why they are all connected the moment i limit my existence to one little body moment i limit my existence to one little body the moment i throw my all my awareness on the world outside and not on the consciousness the result of it will be i'll be unhappy dukkha is the result of that so avasadana lowering oneself at the level of sat at the level of chit and at the level of ananda what a beautiful idea um of course in a much more practical sense avasadana means doing the opposite of uh, the four yogas so um, all sorts of selfishness which is the opposite of karma yoga that is lowering oneself all sorts of the hundred the thousand desires we run in, after in the world instead of desiring or loving god that is lowering oneself the distraction in the mind um, that means continuously flickering mind instead of focus and concentration that is lowering ourselves and not knowing ourselves as satchidananda and uh, knowing ourselves as body mind that is lowering ourselves so lowering ourselves from the perspective of karma yoga being selfish not unselfish lowering ourselves from the perspective of bhakti yoga desiring a thousand things in the world and not loving the one god lowering ourselves from the perspective of raja yoga or dhyana yoga which is the subject of this chapter is being scattered not focused i was reading this beautiful book we had it was in our syllabus in uh, um, last year at the divinity school waiting for god um, our uh, what's her name the french does anybody remember the the great French um, waiting for Godot. Uh, uh, what was that? There's a. Are you thinking of a play called Waiting for Godot? No, no. This is Waiting for for God. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, the 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 French philosopher who died very young. Um, oh, I'm just. For, I always forget her name. Simone Weil. Simone Weil. So Simone Weil. So she says. Um, 
she was uh, she was a very intense young french woman just before the uh, just before the second world war she was jewish but very inspired by uh, christianity by spirituality deeply spiritual person and yet she could not belong to any particular organized religion so she had this problem um so that book is a classic now why i'm saying that um, is that one chapter is that in that is something worth reading by all students she says the importance of studies just so she means by that um school and college studies importance of studying and you will be surprised to know what she says by there she says what is the importance of studying seriously and sincerely she says the real purpose of study is to develop the power of concentration so that one can concentrate on god <laughs> this is the value of school study she says the value of school studies is she says concentration is spirituality distraction is a sin she says what she would say to our modern age i don't know <laughs> you're continuously distracted you would consider it a most sinful uh, uh, stage um so it is an offense against raja yoga to be distracted and finally from the perspective of gyana yoga it is avasadana lowering oneself if one does not identify with brahman our real nature and identifies with body and mind this is avasadana literally the uh, word avasadana means depression avasad in bengali and hindi uh, it means depression a kind of pathological depression Uh, it seems simone vale and uh, um simone du du beauvoir the the french existentialist who was partners with sartre so they were classmates or, or at least in the same school together and they did not get along well at all <laughs> they they had a quarrel yes somebody has given the link natmanam avasadayet is there anything else that i wanted to say all right and what is the way how do you lift yourself and how do you not lower yourself the way is we know what was said in the earlier verses karma yoga bhakti yoga raja yoga and ultimately gyana yoga what is the way to lift ourselves in a in a spiritual sense in a more modern secular sense you would say you know positive thinking don't do negative uh, don't, don't indulge in negative thinking be up and doing things like that but here very clearly what is meant is engage yourself in the spiritual quest uh, instead of selfish activities karma yoga instead of um, desiring of the desiring the world love god instead of distracting yourself focus on on the real self or on god whatever your path is um so the three preliminary yogas karma yoga bhakti yoga raja yoga would be the uh, would be the ways in which one lifts oneself one does not um, diminish or lower oneself now let me read the second one the second verse after that sixth verse says the same thing in positive language number 6 bandhuratmatmanastasya yenatmevatmanajitah anatmanastu shatrutve vartetatmeva shatruvat to him who has conquered the self 
body and senses by his self. The self indeed is his friend. For the uncontrolled man, however, the self alone is adverse like an enemy. Yes. Control of the body, control of the senses, control of the mind and the emotions and uh, knowledge at the level of the intellect. This is uh, a sign of, of a self. Here the, by self, you mean the entire body-mind personality, which is your friend. Friend in what sense? In your spiritual journey. Uncontrolled, unpurified. Like Katopanishad says, the chariot where the horses are not disciplined, where the charioteer is drunk. And so you're going to end up in a crash. So in the same way, here the uncontrolled senses, uncontrolled mind uh, is your enemy. That self is your enemy. Which self is your friend? Which self is your enemy? You're your own greatest friend if the spiritual practices are being done. You're helping yourself. You're your own greatest enemy if you do not do the spiritual practices and be like, Duryodhana, what can I do? Whatever I feel like, I'm just doing that. It won't work. Just things will get worse and worse. Um, let me see. I'll just introduce a concept here. Since we have a little bit of time, I don't want to start the next verse. It's a deep and beautiful concept. And I uh, just wanted to say that self here, it refers to four things. One is the waking self, the dreaming self, the deep sleep self, and the real self, the fourth, Turiya, the uh, pure consciousness. So what do you do at each level? And um, this is a very nice insight into spiritual life. Um, at the level of the waking self, the physical universe, you are one consciousness in all bodies. Bodies are many. Minds are also many. But the consciousness behind all bodies and minds is one consciousness. This is called Vishwatma, the one self of the entire universe. So the limited self, you expand yourself to say, I am not just here in service of this one little body. Let my life be for the benefit of all. At least this attitude should be there. Let my life be for the benefit of all. My actions be for the benefit of all. What will I do? What will I say? What will I think? Which is of, which will be, which will be in service of this, in this world self, all beings. And then the, at the dreaming self, he says, that is at the subtle level. At the subtle level, he says, this is at the level of love or belonging to the, the cosmic mind. Your oneness with, between the Taijasa and the uh, Hiranyagarbha. The first level is oneness between you, the individual Vishwa, and the Virat. At the, um, you have to remember your Mandukya paradigm. At, at the level of the subtle body, the dream self, uh, the oneness between the Taijasi and the Hiranyagarbha. This oneness between Taijasa and Hiranyagarbha is Bhakti Yoga. The oneness between um, the Vishwa and Virat is Karma Yoga. You see the, how it comes together. How do you do it physically? The oneness with the universe physically. By directing all your actions for the welfare of, of others. Family, community, organization, nation, world, all beings without any limit. No boundary. No um, uh, you know, uh, differentiation based on race and religion and uh, gender. No. All beings uh, I serve because I am one with all. 
to hate somebody, to like this person and dislike the other person, actually it's a deep, deep uh, error. I, I don't understand that I am the one reality in all beings. So to make yourself one with the one self of the universe, of, of the world, that's at the physical level. How will you express it? Karma Yoga. Mentally, inside, the Taijasa and the Hiranyagarbha, the individual and the, and the cosmic. I am one with that cosmic. How do you express it? Through love. So mentally, towards all beings, I have this feeling of overwhelming love, of being one with them at the level of my mind. Physically, service. At the level of my mind, love. This is Bhakti Yoga. And then the insight goes on further. At the causal level, where our experience is what? Deep sleep. And the cosmic experience is Ishvara, God. So the, at that causal level, not deep sleep, but Samadhi. Being absorbed in that Savikalpa Samadhi, oneness with, with my Ishta Devata, with my, with my chosen uh, ideal. Oneness with God in Samadhi. That is Yoga, Raja Yoga. The ideal of Raja Yoga. So at the physical level, Karma Yoga, at the subtle level, Bhakti Yoga, and at the causal level, Samadhi or Raja Yoga. You see, you're saving the best for the last. <laughs> the Advaita, the Jnana Yoga, yes. Because this is all perspective from Jnana Yoga anyway. So the Jnana Yoga perspective is the knowledge that I am the Turiya. In reality, I am that one consciousness appearing in these three ways. Which are three ways? Physical, subtle, and causal. Thula, Sukshma, Karana. Stula level, Karma Yoga, Sukshma level, Bhakti Yoga, Karana level, um, Samadhi or uh, Raja Yoga. It's one way of looking at it. Just an insight um, sharing. And the knowledge is that I am one with all. Swami Vivekananda, when you see what is the best ideal, he says, notice how he puts it. Let all vision cease. Or if you cannot, dream but truer dreams, which are Eternal love and service free. You see, let all vision cease. That means become established in the truth that you are Brahman. Finished. The game is over for you. Or if you cannot, if it's not possible yet, what's the, what's the next best alternative? What's the best uh, philosophy of life? What should be the ideal in life? He says eternal love and service free. Eternal love, Bhakti Yoga. Service free, Karma Yoga. Hanuman, when Ramchandra asked him, um, what do you think of me? And he said, at the level of the body, you are my master, I am, my, I am your servant. In the Hanuman Chalisa, which many people recite devoutly, not only in India, I saw in the United States, there are groups which are uh, Hanuman worshippers, New Mexico and other places. I think it's because of Neem Karoli Baba. Uh, so in Hanuman Chalisa, Hanuman is described as being most eager to do the work of the Lord. So at, at the, as long as we have a physical body, it should be used, it should be, um, we should uh, dedicate it to the work of the Lord in service, repeat the name of God, do whatever, in whatever way, engage ourselves in the work of Ishwara. There's a physical level. And at the mental level, he says, you are the whole and I'm your part. You am amsha, twadangsha. This is that um, the equation between taijasa and hiranyagarbha, and part of the whole, the bhakti level. 
And then he says um, that from the perspective of the self, he says, Tomevaham, Deha Buddhya, Jiva Buddhya, Atma Buddhya. Deha Buddhya means from the physical level. You are the master, I am the servant. Jiva Buddhya, as, as a sentient being, you are God and I am thy part. And we have a relationship of part and whole devotion. And Atma Buddhya, as ultimately as the self, as pure consciousness, you and I are the same. Tomevaham. That is, of course, the Turiya. I just wanted to share that. All right. There's a link here. Yes, waiting for God. Simone Vai. Pronounced Simone Vail. Um, Rick says, I can understand how the self could be an enemy. But how, does, how can the self be an enemy? No, the self cannot be an enemy. The self cannot be your friend also. You are it. So here, that's why I said, what is meant by self here? The Atmana, by the self. How can the self be an instrument in anything? So what self is meant here? Physical self is meant here. Um, the sensory self is meant here. The mental and emotional self is meant here. The moral self is meant here. That's why I was referring to the Taitiri Upanishad, where what we now dismiss as sheets, it's, it's a later post-Shankara development. Physical sheet, vital sheet, mental sheet, intellectual sheet. And somehow like a nesting doll somewhere inside the Atman is there. The original text does not bear that out. The original text in the Upanishad considers all of these as selves. Physical self, vital self, mental self, sensory self, emotional self, intellectual self. And uh, those selves can be our friend and our enemy. On our path to enlightenment. Nothing helps us as much as ourselves and nothing really harms us. Nobody, nothing can harm us more than we harm ourselves. Shashank says, our scriptures repeatedly call six enemies. Yes, Shadripu. What is the relationship of these to fear and what is the root of fear? Is fear a byproduct of one of the other qualities? Is fundamental. Swami Vivekananda said, strength. Strength is what the Upanishads speak to me from every page. Correct. So, fear is fundamental. From an Advaitic perspective, Dvitiyadvai Bhayam Bhavati, the Upanishads again and again say, Yasya Udaram Pashyati Tasya Bhayam Bhavati. Whoever sees an another, whoever sees difference, for that one there is fear. So fear is fundamental. Fear, anxiety is fundamental. And that comes from seeing a second. Seeing, them, seeing a second means you see a second, but you don't consider the second to be a second. You consider all of them to be one reality. If we do not see that, if we do, you feel that I am cut off from others, a fractured reality, then there is fear. The moment we are in, in, in the dualistic vision, we are in, in, in fear. I am separate from all, every, everybody else, fear. Notice how at every level um, we are told, at the physical level, make yourself one with the world soul, that all everything is now for, not just for this one body, for the welfare of everybody. At the mental level, one with God through devotion. And at the causal level, one with God through meditation, samadhi. So all of these, this, this all shows the oneness. Actually, oneness exists only in the reality, in Turiya. 
where uh, you are you are already that swami bhuteshananji used to uh, he said in one place very clearly he made it made this point brahma darshan hoy na brahma gyan hoy so darshana means having a mystical experience you do not have a mystical experience of the highest reality you have knowledge of the highest reality the knowledge is i am that that cannot be experienced as an object because you are it on that very high metaphysical note let us end today we'll meet tomorrow for uh, mataji's talk om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna rupa namastu